My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 402, which are all even numbers, right, sweetie? Yep. That's right. Not necessarily prime, though, because four is not prime, just so you know. Mm -hmm. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding, and who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show... um, my sweetie's going to talk about getting uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to play maybe two clips from Simon Sinek, one of my new favorite teachers. My, He's a speaker and thought leader and he's written some books, and I've been watching some YouTube videos on him. Uh, playing a clip from a Friday show. We have a Friday show coming up. Our friend Roxanne is going to talk about her experience as a refugee and an immigrant uh, turned amazing structural engineer. So that's I'm gonna play a clip out of that too. So. And she's actually both. You can be both. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like she is an immigrant who you just said turned into a structural engineer. Well, when she got here, she wasn't. Ah, that she went to school here. Right. Yes. Right. She that was a good interview. Yes. So our friend Roxana is gonna be on the Friday show. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, and then oh, I remember there's one last thing. I haven't talked to you about this, sweetie. Boundaries. Remember we had Rob Bell's podcast. And it was about, um, you know, there's somebody in your life that uh, infringes upon your boundaries and how long it takes you to recover recover from Mm -hmm. it. So maybe we'll throw that in. So we'll see what happens. I know. I know. And then don't forget about my new quote that I came up with during yoga. Oh, boy. (laughs) You might need to cut a few of these things out. No, we'll be fine. (laughs) Um, So, but let's talk about the conference real quick. Um, we have something called a Zen friend. So for people who are coming to the conference or who, or who are not coming to the conference, uh, we have something called a Zen friend, which is basically a scholarship to get moms and dads and kids who can't afford to come to the conference to the conference. So we have two new Zen friends from the last week. Yay! Uh, our good friend, Carolyn Rogers. Thank you. And Ro- Kevin, the Rogers family, yes. The Rogers family. Thank you for that. And Alicia Horn is also a Zen friend. So thanks to the two of you. And when is the conference? You know what? And if I remember correctly, Alicia got a discount. She did. She got the teacher deal. And then she said, I will put that discount toward a Zen friend, which was very cool. Thank you. Um, When is the conference? The conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. And our keynote is? Is Cheryl Strayed. Cheryl Strayed. And we actually have some announcements about the conference for, I think we'll probably do it. Maybe later this week. I mean, we'll talk about it on the show next week, but I will probably announce it later this week. And so it's it's always evolving in good ways. Like these are very exciting things that we basically Todd and I, when we created the conference, we had like this big picture of all these things we wanted to incorporate. And when you're starting out, you just got to do the basic things. Right. Mm -hmm. And now we're able to incorporate some things that are a little more um, in alignment with what we wanted to do in the first place. So. With that said, uh, get your tickets. Uh, early bird only lasts for, um, I don't know how long, a couple probably more through, weeks. Probably through November. Yeah. And get if you're going, get that discount because it's significant. Yeah. You know, like it's like 50 to to $100 off. So why pay more? And our theme is a force for good. So if you are a force for good, we need you there because we want to fill the whole room with forces for good. Right. Um, and we also have partners, um, and I want to highlight one of our partners. These are companies or businesses that want to support us and also 
get recognized at the conference. And the first one I'm going to talk about uh, today is Comprehensive Clinical Services. Our good friend Dan Martinez runs a uh, practice in Lombard, Illinois, and he has sponsored us, I think, all three years. Yes. Uh, so thanks to Comprehensive Clinical Services um, and uh, their silver level sponsors, which means they get two tickets. Uh, materials in the attendee bag, recognized in the program, shout outs on ZPR, among many other things. Mm -hmm. So if you have a business out there and you're interested, please shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com and I'll get you more information. So all right. let's talk about being uncomfortable. Okay, so... I'm a little uncomfortable about with this you? conversation. Yes, I might way. be uncomfortable with this conversation. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, this came up in two different ways. The first way is, I don't know if you guys remember, but last week Todd talked about this newspaper. It's called The Good Newspaper. Um, and who, let's see. Brandon. Brandon Harvey. My um, buddy Brandon. He makes The Good Newspaper. And Todd and I got, you know, we just love it because the whole newspaper is basically full of stories that tell you the good things that are happening in the world and all these good people who are, um, you know, helping others or creating things to help others or, you know, statistics that we never hear about how certain crime is better. going down. Right. And yeah. And so it's just wonderful to read. But what I loved was his um, like his letter from the editor at the beginning, because his the title of his letter uh, from the editor was, I hope this issue leaves you uncomfortable. Why did that speak to you? Well, uh, the the thing is, is, and I want to, before I dive into what he said, I want to also combined, combine that last Thursday, I was talking with my college students about the Me Too hashtag. And you guys know what we talked about that last week too, you know, the Me Too hashtag for women. Um, and some men, I think, also used it too, who have been sexually harassed or um, se sexually assaulted. And it kind of gave us an understanding of how many people have experienced that, right? Well, we were talking about this in my class, and one of my students raised her hand and said, um, yeah, and not only that, but there's been some backlash from that hashtag because there's a lot of people who have been assaulted or who have been harassed, and they're telling people to stop doing that hashtag because it's making them really upset and traumatized and uncomfortable. And I kind of stopped for a minute, and I I know what she's saying, and, because, and she was just relaying it. She mm. wasn't necessarily saying, this is how I feel. But I stopped and I said, you know what? No, we, we, we can't tell people to stop speaking their truth because we in that moment are uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Now, it's okay to say this is making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Feeling uncomfortable is okay. Like part of feeling uncomfortable. That's when change happens. And it allows you to kind of go inside and be like, what is this? Like, if you're feeling uncomfortable or triggered, you know, we used to do shows about what is being triggered mean all the time. There's something there that needs to be either spoken, said, felt, dealt with. It's a, it's your body and your mind, um, and I think the body even more than anything, is telling you there is something in here that we are not addressing. And if we are seeing the Me Too hashtag everywhere – and then you're feeling super uncomfortable, telling everybody to stop it is not always the best solution. Now, this is where, why this is important is because this is where we start to differentiate between safe spaces, which we've talked about before, and inclusive language. Because safe spaces are, are really, can be really wonderful, meaning that if you need a break from something, you have the right to take a break, you also have the right to let people know how you feel. 
there is nothing you need to shut down, but you also don't have permission to tell other people to shut it down. I mean, I guess when I say you don't have permission, you can, Mm -hmm. but what you're doing is your own ego need or your discomfort is overriding what everybody else may need in that moment to do. What's good for the whole. What's good for the whole. And sometimes what's good for the whole means... You're uncomfortable. Exactly. And that we need to understand what is just about me. You know, like I'm uncomfortable, therefore everybody else needs to stop. And then what's about the greater good? And here, and let me say this again, your discomfort is still something to be honored. This is not, I'm not saying quit being uncomfortable. I'm saying, look at your discomfort. Nobody has a right to tell you how to feel. But what we don't have the right to do, I believe, is tell everybody else to stop it so we don't have to think about it or feel it because that's a form of like greater numbing. Like, let's pretend this didn't happen. So I don't have to look at, and we, and let me take this micro, we do this in families. A child will bring up an issue, something important, you know, something that happened or, or maybe someone passed away, or maybe there was a big fight and a child will, will bring it up and the parents will say, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk about that because they're not comfortable with it. You could drill it down to, you know, your toddler skins his, his or her knee. Right. And you tell them to quit crying, not because they should quit crying, because it's making us feel uncomfortable. Right. So there is uh, some some grace in being uncomfortable. Now, there's a balance to everything, and there's exceptions to everything. Exactly. Like, I am not, you know, so the, the thing that comes into my mind of the, you know, what someone could bring up and say, what about this? I am not for people who want to spew hatred and right. go out and march with their, yes. you know, what are they called? The torches. The torches or, you know. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're, I'm talking about. That's hate speech. That's, yeah. that's, that is meant to harm mm. and that is meant to make people feel, um, feel volatile. It creates violence. I'm talking about the, um, the feelings that we have where we are, Someone else is traumatized by something. They speak their truth, and we say you can't do that because I'm uncomfortable. Well, and like, and the Me Too is a perfect it example was. of that because right. you know, speaking at, uh, about it from the male side, there's a lot of guys that I've talked to, and you know, I listen to John Dovey podcast, who's our good friend, and he t- he had a 20 minute kind of rant on Me Too, and it's um, not about. Because a lot of guys will hear about the Me Too and like, well, I never assaulted a woman, so this has nothing to do with me. Right. And it's about, no, I, I hope these men start feeling uncomfortable by the the vastness of this issue right. that has always been whispered about. And now it's not being whispered about. There's women screaming from the mountaintop saying Me Too. And here's the thing. Here's the other paradox. Discomfort is a good thing. It tell it's it's our bodies and our on our minds saying, "Ooh, this is something we need to look at." Like if you are if your body is in pain or discomfort, your body is trying to say nothing. Something's not working right. And if you are traumatized by something that you see or hear, it is. And again, I'm not saying throw yourself into a space to be traumatized. There are you know for those of you who have been traumatized, you have to honor your own system and say this may not be be you know be something I I can go to or listen to or this is not a movie I can see or this is not a an article I should read. Honor your own, but don't tell other people they can't. That's what I'm saying. Um, and your students reacted a little bit differently, right? Well, they were surprised by what I said because. Why? Well, in my classroom, my focus is very much about what's working 
I use a lot of positive psychology. I focus on uh, gratitude. I focus on forgiveness. Everything in my class is a lot like what we talk about on this show. And I think it was the first time that they heard me be very adamant about, I'm not okay with that. Like everything else, I'm always like, oh, well, here's this, and you can look at it this way. But if somebody is saying to a bunch of women or a bunch of men, for that matter, who are who are healing and who are speaking out about something that has been secret and saying, you need to stop because I don't want to look at this. I, I, I think that takes it a step too far. That's like the safe space too far. Yeah. That's saying the whole world needs to accommodate Me. my safe That's space. It's the whole. It's the individual versus the whole. Exactly. And, and here's the thing. On that note, in my classroom, the reason why I focus on the the things I do. First of all, it's because I believe in them. That's the, you know, first and foremost is that I believe what my students need to understand is self-care, self-awareness, um, you know, gratitude, how to take care of themselves and how to have compassion for others if they are going to go into the field of social work or criminology. A lot of my students are going to be police officers and detectives. So these are the things that I think are most important. Now, the other thing is I realize that they need to become equipped to handle what they're going to see in the world. The way to equip them is to ground them in their own selves and to help them take care of themselves so then when they go out in the world and they are faced with discomfort, they know how to handle it and be resilient and not get burned out. The thing is, is a lot of classes or a lot of even parenting classes, not just my college students, but is about all the bad things that can happen. Here's the thing. Bad things can happen all the time, but what do we really need? What really helps us? What helps us is our ability to understand how to deal with the things that happen. And let me go back to Brandon's newspaper here, The Good News. His whole editorial note about being uncomfortable was, I think everybody needs to know all these good things that are happening in the world. So then when we have to deal with the heavy things that are happening, we have the grounding and we have the um, confidence and the wherewithal and to the, deal with and it. And maybe the optimism. The optimism. It, You know, he talks about hope. You know, that word that, you know, we have the hope that of all these people, if we know that there's people everywhere in the world doing good things, which there are, by the way, these are not just Brandon's newspaper, but all these websites and like the Greater Good website and the... Um, uh, you know, spirituality and health magazine and the, all these things that Todd and I try and subscribe to and read, it's because these are true stories. And it helps us deal with the muck. Exactly. And then, you know, here's the thing. It's that balance of there are some people that just read those things and say, okay, there's enough good things in the world. I don't have to do anything. That's no, not it either. You need to learn these things and know what's going right. So then when things are going wrong, you can speak up. Because the thing I know, the reason why I feel optimistic and hopeful always is because I know people are good. The reason I know people are good is I work with them. I study them. I study human behavior. I study the way the brain works and how we're hardwired. So I know that we can do this. Mm -hmm. So because I feel and know that we can do this, it's a lot easier to stand up and take action. Because people people who are cynical or who don't have any belief in people, they're like, why bother? It's filling your cup. 
you need to fill your cup up with good stuff so you can deal with the bad stuff. That's the essence, what I what I think, what it is we're trying to communicate today. And even more than fill your cup, because it's not just about self-care, understand what people are really doing in the world. When you read the articles about all these people that are breaking the law and, and making poor choices and you know getting rid of all of our environmental protections and doing all these things that make you want to pull your hair out, you have to read the stories or, or go to the conferences or listen to the podcasts of people who are changing the world every day. If there was only a conference that I knew about, <laughs> will you do me a favor? Uh, this is Brandon's newspaper. Yeah. By the way, the website is good, www, whatever, good, good, good co. Just read a few of the headlines okay. from the paper and then we'll maybe move on. So what's the website again? Good, 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 good co. Okay, good. Okay. So let me, I'm, it's, in, it's so cute because it's actually a newspaper. It's a and he does a podcast too. So he just does? Go, yeah, oh, go to the website. I like that. Um, so, okay. I'm trying to get to, I'm on the, the wrong page You're here. kicking it back old school. I'm kicking it back old school. Okay. Okay. Here's some of the headlines. The teen birth rate is at an all-time low. Um, most Americans know and love someone who is gay or lesbian, mm-hmm. which in the whole article is about how we've changed our perspective and, been, and we're more supportive. A massive donation is going to help keep Mexico's water clean for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, study. Having a passport makes you happier. Um, public support for refugees remains high. Um, India's war on human waste is making a difference. And there, our girls loved this one. The world's Siberian tiger is bounding back from the brink of extinction. So this is one page of his <laughs> yes. newspaper. I mean, Kathy can go on and on, but it's just a... I, as soon as I heard about it, I subscribed to it and I'm just a big fan. I'm actually trying to get him or his stuff to the conference. We'll see if we can make that happen. And then two more articles. The world is getting happier Mm. and U.S. homelessness rate is declining. So stop there for a second. The world is getting happier. Yes. I've never heard that headline (laughs) because what I hear is the world's going to hell in a handbag. Me too. And I'm sure that article... Um, documents some research that says that the world is actually getting happier. It's like how right now we all keep our children indoors and we don't let them do anything and we don't let them go to the park, but the world is safer. Mm -hmm. And these are things we were talking about seven years ago. And the thing is, is they're still true. But because of what we see and experience and take in, we don't believe it. And now at the same time, you guys, now listen to me, you know, because some of you may be like, oh my gosh, those articles are true. Guess what else is true? There's some things happening right now I'm not okay with. And I think you guys feel that way too. But you know what helps me? Knowing that the Siberian tiger... And I'm not even, you know, it sounds funny. I'm totally with you. Knowing that they're not going to go extinct helps me stand up and deal with other things. Because I need some things in my bucket that are working. I need to be able to say, okay, these things are working. Therefore, it is time for me to speak up, take some action, and not pretend that everything is great. Because not everything is great. Uh, uh, One more thought. Like my friend Annie and I went out to coffee last week and we can talk for hours and hours and hours about this stuff. And, you know, she and I both struggled with a lot of our friends and um, in acquaintances or people we work with who took the spiritual perspective of everything's going to be just fine. Mm. Everything's in alignment. Um, even though, you know, maybe the, our leadership right now seems a little not the best, we're going to be okay just because spirituality and I believe that's not enough for me. Mm. I do believe everything is going to be okay. And I am hopeful and I believe in people, 
but I also have to take action. It's called burying your head in the sand. Right. There is a middle place. And what does it mean to take action? Do it in your own home. Have a conversation. Have a conversation with your kids. Um, you know, in your community, do something. Give to a charity. Um, call your congresspeople. Do, it, it, you don't have to create a conference. But you can do something in your day-to-day life where you know you're making an impact on the greater good. And there are some people that use spirituality um, as a vehicle for inaction. Right. And that's what Annie and I were talking about we struggle with is that when people say, well, you know what? I just trust the process. And if it wasn't supposed to happen, it wouldn't be happening. And the thing is- That's not what creates change. Exactly. That can be true. You can believe that, but then go ahead and- Take, take action. action. You, they both. We don't just get to say, "I'm not going to do anything or say anything or be a part and of." And clicking this. like on a Facebook post is not taking action. Exactly, it doesn't hurt, but that's not action. Right. It's really knowing. You know, I'll I'll end with saying that. Um, you know, it's that standing. We used to say uh, a couple months ago. Um, it's not like fighting for things because that those words don't resonate for me. It's standing up for things. Who are you? What do you believe? Like I went to see Battle of the Sexes um, with Emma Stone and Steve Carell with my daughter. And there were all these scenes where at the end when um, Billie Jean King, because it's about Billie Jean King and, and Bobby Riggs and their, their showdown, you know, it's supposed yep. to be like this big gender war showdown. And there's all these people in the stands, majority of them for Bobby Riggs, mm-hmm. okay? And there's this small group of women <clears throat> who are there to support Billie Jean King. And I was like, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I, who are you in this movie? Who who are you in this movie? Are you the people who are like, no, let's status quo, let's let Bobby Riggs win because, or do you believe that women have the right to earn the same amount of money that men do, that they have the ability to be just as great of an athlete? That's what I believe. And hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying better than. Mm -hmm. I'm saying just as good as. And so I was watching that movie, going, these women are like my role models. Who do I want to be at this space and time? I want to speak up. I want to stand up. And I want to, at the same time, engage men like my husband who are so amazing and who want to have this conversation. And let's do this together. You know, this is not a one-sided equality issue. So all of a sudden I got on equality. Imagine that, shocking. So anyway, that is, let's get uncomfortable, you guys. And at the same time, don't forget what's good, good, good. All the time. Good, good, good. Co. Yes. So um, thank you, Brandon, for making this newspaper because it really inspired a lot of conversations. And he's brand new at this. He's, he's only has two of these papers. You're so kidding far. me. Yeah, that's a, you're, you have. I think that's the second edition or the second one. So this is a new endeavor for him. So that's why I'm so. I, I, you know, we've been doing this for six or seven years, so we are kind of established. I don't know this guy. I mean, I've emailed him. We've kind of gone back and forth. But this How is did a, you find it in the first place? I don't remember. In one of the email newsletters that I get, I have no idea where I heard it from. But um, it's new at this, and I'm sure it doesn't. It costs money to do this, to print a newspaper and mail it out and do all these things. So I just want to support it. Well, and let me tell you one more thing. One of the, I think it was the very back page, which I don't have down here. It was just this big whole back page that said, look for the helpers. Which is a quote from? Uh, Mr. Rogers, which people use all the time. When there's something on when TV. When there's a tragedy. Is, yeah. So look for the helpers, my friends. Yeah. And that's like the centerfold. That's what's cool about it. It's like in huge, bold letters. Yeah. So when you're reading, you know, I'm from Chicago, so we read the Tribune. Do you see that in the, you know, a lot of times you'll see an opinion 
column that actually kind of supports that energy. Um, But most of the news is just, I mean, Todd and I stopped, or I shouldn't say you didn't. I had to stop reading the newspaper for a while because I was like, this is like ruining my Sunday morning. Now now I've found my articles that help me. You know, we have to find things that keep us um, inspired and also connected and and remind us what we can do to make a change. That's kind of the way I look at it. Um, so our first partner of this podcast is Canvas People. Who's Canvas People? What do they do? They're a very easy to use photo to canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork for you to enjoy every day. Instead of snapping that beautiful photo and letting it rot in your cell phone, you can bring that photo to life to put on your walls at home, in your office, or give as a great gift. So here's the deal that they've offered us. And for those of you listening to the show already know this, um, 11 by 14 canvas, it's usually $69.99. If you type in the coupon code ZEN, Z-E-N, it goes down to zero. You just pay shipping. So head on over to canvaspeople.com, get your free 11 by 14 canvas, and um, that's the deal. And they got pillows and mugs and other things too, but I like the canvases, so... Um, and then the other thing is Team Zen. What is Team Zen? It's something Kathy basically created out of her brain and said, let's come together with some uh, special listeners who want more Zen parenting more than once or twice a week. And it's basically a webinar slash group coaching slash... Community, virtual virtual community. You know, So what it's turned into for us is doing a live podcast every couple of weeks. Um, and and live it, means interactive. So you ask questions in real time. Yeah, we just kind of show up and maybe we'll say one or two things, but it's like, tell us what your questions are. And not only do we answer, but other people on the call can kind of give their feedback. Which is awesome. And then the same thing happens on the Facebook page where people can ask a question and we can give feedback. And then, you know, there's special discounts. Uh, we're doing a webinar in November. We think we're going to do in late November, early December, we're going to do something and it's going to be free to any Team Zen members. We're other people would have to pay and it's not even a webinar it's just it's like a live i don't know what word to use but i hate the word webinar. so do i you know what webinar brings up for me hard difficult business it's not and you're not going to be able to get on boring webinar sounds boring so we use this technology called zoom and it's so easy you just click on it it's just one of the most uh streamlined i don't know what the word is it's just clean what's the name of the technology zoom schwartz <laughs> I don't like that Sorry, game. Sorry, that's an inside joke. <laughs> I know. Do, I, do people play that game or is that just your game? Uh, Gatone brought it to me in college and I have tried to share that game with many people. Most people hate it. I do. It does not stop me from bringing it up. I know. It's a drinking game, yes. everybody. Zoom chores for Perfigliano. Yeah, and it just... I don't know. I just don't even like that last word. I can't say it. Perfigliano. Yes. If you ever see me in a tavern, say, Todd, let's play Zoom Shorts Perfigliano. We'll play at the conference. Yeah, then I'll go home. <laughs> Sweetie, be like, I'm tired. Good let's night, go. everybody. See ya. Um, I, I was going to say something. So, yeah. So, how to. Oh, so last week's is Team Zen. We talked about the Me Too hashtag, uh, how to, to handle feedback from our partner. Uh, how to handle our kids about inappropriate song lyrics. Yeah. Um, how to how to talk to them about them, not handle them necessarily. Sweetie, you say handle. This is direct from your. I said fingers. how to handle how our to kids? handle slash talk. That's what you did. How to talk to our kids about inappropriate. How to handle slash talk to our kids about inappropriate song lyrics. Okay, they, I'm sorry. Maybe I misheard. I'm right. <laughs> I need to be right. Um, uh, how to be more real, honest, and forgiving around our children. Why this teaches self compassion and compassion overall. And then we also provide resources. So, anyways, if that interests you, it's twenty five bucks a month. Head over to zenparentingradio.com, upper right hand corner. It says go to, and then just go to Team Zen, and we have a funny little video that we play for people. Yes, helping them understand it. 
Let's move over to Simon Sinek, who is somebody who I can't get enough of. Uh, he's had a few viral YouTube videos. He's a leader. Um, he's a thought leader. His last book was called Eaters, uh, Eaters, Leaders Eat Last. <laughs> and um, I'm going to play a few minutes of this. I might break it up, but it's about technology and cell phones. And the first half of it is about um, in a business setting. And the second half of it is more about kids. So just bear with me. This will be a few minutes. And sweetie, I don't think you've heard this yet. Have you? Did you? I sent you this. sent it to me. I, yeah, I listened to it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. So here we go with Simon Sinek about the cell phone. And though we have no good science on it, we know anecdotally that they spent a disproportionate amount of their social lives, dun, 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 online. Human relationships is what makes people happy. This is why solitary confinement is considered torture in many places. And what we're doing is basically solitary confinement. We've taken the kids away from each other, and they're engaging with their phones more than anything. I, for one, do not believe there should be a phone in a school. There should definitely not be a phone in a classroom, and I don't know why you need the internet in a classroom either. Whatever they're using, they can use. I do not understand. Because giving, and, it's, and the reason I'm draconian about it is the same reason we take the alcohol out of the alcoholic's home because you can't trust the willpower. It's too powerful, it is addiction, it is addiction. We aren't even good at putting our phones away. And so now you're gonna ask a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a nine-year-old to do it? We're out of our minds. The only way to do it is to take the phone away, to, to ban them in a classroom and ban them in a school. They will hate it at the beginning and then watch what happens. I'll give you some uh, personal experiences. So when I go in to do workshops with people, I'll sit with a room full of executives, and the first thing I do is I take a bucket or a bowl and I walk around the room and I make them throw their phones in the bucket or the bowl. I get very dirty looks and they are not happy. These are some senior executives that go like this, right? And I just, I take all the phones away and I put them on the side and then we start the workshop. Here's what happens. Within a few minutes, everybody relaxes. People talk to each other. And the most important thing is the breaks. Because usually what happens in a break, and I watch it happen here too, as soon as we stand up, we go like this. You're all nice and respectful when I'm on the stage, but as soon as we stop, everybody's checking in, right? Now, as an aside, there's no quicker way to undermine the trust in your people than to feel the need that you have to check in every hour, as opposed to saying, hey guys, I'm gonna be out for a day, you got this, I trust you, right? Make it green, check with Steve, you know? Uh, but that's what we do, we respond to everything. Um, um, but worse, we're not engaging with each other. The value of these events is each other. And so when I take these phones away from these executives, in the breaks, they sit and they talk to each other. Nobody goes to get their phone. I made no rule that said they can't. I just put them away and put them on the side. They actually talk to each other. The quality of the workshop is always fantastic, and the best part is when they walk out, they actually are talking to each other on their way out. In other words, camaraderie. Simply by forcing the phone to be taken away, it's a mechanism to get the behavior that we want. So nothing earth-shattering about that clip. Mm -mm. I just thought I, I was waiting for JC from her lacrosse thing, and I, it just totally speaks to me, and I have to own it. I am the biggest, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest addict of my cell phone, but it's I find myself telling my kids one thing and doing something else. So I... I just wanted to throw that out there. There is another clip that maybe if you let me play, but I just want to see if you had any feedback on any of that. Um, no, I don't disagree with him. I think that, you know, anytime, you know, I struggle with this, with workshops and with like women's circle and that kind of thing, because, because we are so used to being disconnected or connected easily, meaning that a child texts us and we text right back because we depend on that connection. 
a lot of times it's very difficult, especially for moms mm. that I'm working with, to put that phone down because the babysitter, because um, you know my kid may need a ride. And so like in a workplace, you know, like because he's going into a business where the expectation isn't that I need to be connect. Well, the, the expectation business wise is that you need to be connected all the time, but that maybe you, you're not going to have a crisis at home, mm-hmm. um, which I don't even know if you, you know. Well, and he actually talks about emergencies here in a second, um, but you're. I totally hear you. It's a difficult – what I'm saying in a roundabout way is I have not yet gotten to the point where I said you can't have your phone. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't put a bucket out and said put it in here. I always recommend that we quiet them, turn them off, and put them away. And just – and to – you know, that's one of the reasons that I love yoga is because the yoga studio that we go to, you can't bring a phone in there, which is really nice. Well, that's what I want to get into is the willpower because, you know, willpower is such a tricky word for me because do we all have willpower? Of course. But, you know, what Simon teaches in a lot of his talks is the dopamine hit and how powerful it is. And for us to just choose not to eat that bowl of ice cream or us choose not to check our phone when it buzzes, it's really not an easy thing to do. And what what I've shared with, with you, sweetie, and then, you know, if I'm talking or coaching somebody... I feel like you need to, instead of just choose not to, I feel like that activity has to be replaced with something else. Like if I'm somebody who wakes up in the middle of the night, eats a bunch of ice cream, and all of a sudden I want to stop doing that, it's really hard to just stop doing that. I think that it's easier to do that if you replace it with something else. What do I mean by that? Instead of going to get a bowl of ice cream, you drink, you chug a glass of water, or you go into the kitchen, you do 10 push-ups. That, and my, my brain can handle that a lot more than just eliminating the act. The problem is, is that water doesn't do what ice cream does. And of course. so when you're saying like, oh, fill it with something else, there are some people like you who are like, I just need the activity. But that, you know, it's not like, yay, I'm going to go get a glass of water now. But it's better than sitting in bed trying to resist the urge for yummy Haagen-Dazs caramel cone well, ice cream. And that there are, this is where I think we get into um, people's personalities yeah. is that for me, I don't need to go downstairs and say, I'm going to drink a, a you know glass of water in place. And I don't, I don't, eating is a, not really one for me. I don't right. really get it. And I'm it. just making stuff up. Right. But just to stay on that one, um, I don't really need to replace it, but I can, if it's not accessible to me, say I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things, you know, things we've talked about on the show, like, you know, if we have Oreos in this house, it's a problem, yeah. but I just don't buy them. Yeah. And then it's not a problem. Right. It's like the willpower comes with that decision. And that the decision, decision not to have exactly. it. Exactly. Right. Because well, and we had lunch together on Saturday. We went to go see Dr. Terry Trent. Oh yeah, that's and good. Uh, one thing, and I won't play this part in the clip, but one thing Simon says when he goes out to dinner is he hands his phone to the person on his left yes. and says, "Please hold this for me." And the idea is that maybe everybody will do that. That way, everybody has somebody else's phone. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you're going to check somebody else's phone because if that phone is accessible to me then I will more likely check the score of the game or check who just texted me or it buzzes or whatever. So I think you're right. I think the willpower is knowing that you're not going to be strong enough the minute that the phone beeps. And you didn't finish that story. You said we went to see Dr. Tara I Trent and then- And I did did that. And then we all, because Cameron and- So we went to lunch. We went to lunch. And then we all gave our phone. Actually, we all ended up putting them in your purse. I, I said, because we don't, 
uh, because I have a purse, I don't hold a phone in my hand or pocket. Yeah. And so I said, let's just all put them in one place yeah. so they're in a collective place, which again, these are routines. I, I like that he starts out by saying initially people are going to be annoyed. Yeah. Because that's real. <laughs> whenever you break up somebody's routine or you tell them that what they're expecting to do, they can't do, that's where the true frustration comes in. And that's where we have to be okay with the discomfort. Talk about being uncomfortable, yeah. that you have to see this as like a greater good. And with um, and when we when the girls got their cell phones, part of our contract with them was when we're eating, you can't be on your phone. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's always pieces of like, oh yeah, I got to check someone's going to pick me up or yeah. whatever. But for the most part, we're not going to sit on our phone and check things or do streaks. That's not going to happen during a meal. So that's the expectation. Even, and, But the step further that Todd's talking about is not only are we not going to do that, but why don't we just get them out of our vision? And so hand them over and and then when we're done, and then they forget that they even had well, it. Well, and that's what he says. You know what happens a- after the annoyance? Yes. Well, and it's funny. My story with this is I've d- I've done a annual men's group retreat. I I'm part of a men's group, and uh, my first year, the name of the retreat is Unplug, Unwind, and Recharge. Mm-hmm. And we told the guys beforehand. My first year, I said, you know, here's the emergency number in case there's an emergency. You can call where we're going, and they can come get us. But you're not going to have your cell phones. Um, and one of the guys, the morning of the retreat basically said, who do you guys think you are? You're not qualified to tell me or not tell me to have my cell phone or something like that. Now my ego is totally bruised. I actually like, maybe he's right. Like who am I to do this? But now that I've been doing this for a few years, I feel completely confident inviting the guys to not have their cell phones with them because he's right. You know what happens the minute that you get a break? It's really hard not to see if your wife texted you to see how your kid did in the soccer game that you're missing. Mm-hmm. But there's something magical that happens when you do unplug from your normal daily life. And for a weekend, we invite these guys to not be connected to your phone at all. And you know, a and again, you guys have already figured this out, so you don't need my input, but the visual I got is... When the guys come down for yoga or for whatever, you have a bucket or a basket and they put it in there. Mm -hmm. So then you're not saying you can't check in with your family or you can't have it at all. You're saying when we are together, the phones are not with us. So then when there is a break, they're just with each other. I was watching the Ianla Fix My Life last night, um, which I like to watch. And I noticed, I'm kind of noticing, I I look at the details of what they're doing. And every time the people walk into the room to talk with her, she has a basket. They all put them in the basket and then she sets a basket behind her. So this is, we're not going to do this. I'm not going to take your phone for the whole weekend, but we're not doing this. And so like there's these middle, so like for those of you who, you know, you may be listening to us and you may run your own groups or you may teach a class or you may, um, you know, have meetings or be the PTA president or something. These are ideas Mm -hmm. because what he's saying, it's not about shaming people for having their phone. It's not about ridiculing them and telling them how you're going to break their habit. You are not everyone's mother. You don't need to do that. But what you can say is my goal in this time together is for us to connect. Connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So this is the second half of his maybe two more minutes. David Marquet's work talks about this. You don't trying to change people's thinking to get the behavior, you change the behavior to change their thinking. And so sometimes you have to force it. There should never, ever, ever be a cell phone in a conference, in a conference room. I don't care if you're with each other or, or with your parents, whatever, or you're meeting with your students. Theirs or yours, there should never be a cell phone out 
in any kind of conference room ever because the quality of the meetings goes up. And I promise you, even though people will grumble and even though they'll hate it, and even though parents will say, what about an emergency? Here's what you do in an emergency. Call this number, it's the, it's the school. Tell us little Jimmy, something happened to his grandmother and we'll go get little Jimmy for you. Old school, right? Like, I got it, there's an emergency. That doesn't mean the kid has to have a phone on the whole time because the negative impact is not worth the, not worth the benefit. And at the end of the day, how many kids have really been called up because of emergencies on their phones? I mean, you know? In my world, I would love to put chicken wire inside the sheetrock of all the schools so the phones just don't work. And it'd be like, ah, oh, AT&T, you know? <laughs> anyway, my point is, is what'll start to happen is simply by removing the device, including the cafeteria. I'm not talking classroom, I'm talking everywhere. You'll start to see the kids talking and learning how to communicate and learning how to build social relationships, learning how to talk to each other, learning how to talk to their teachers, learning how to talk to their parents. They will acculturate and socialize their skills that they're lacking that are manifesting in things like depression, suicide, and school shootings later on in life. That's, those are the worst case scenarios. The best case scenario is you just hate your life and live your life, just going through life thinking life sucks and not really loving your friends. Colleges now are dealing with unprecedented numbers of people dropping out or taking leaves of absences because of depression. It all starts here. You know, if there's one school here that wants to experiment and literally ban phones in the entire building, teachers included, I think phones should be treated like smokers. Make as many texts as you want, send as, make as many personal calls as you want outside, right? At least smokers are social. At least they go out with each other. All right, probably not the best place to end, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll share. It's a 12 and a half minute YouTube thing, and I'll share it in the show notes. And I don't know, when I hear him talk about this stuff, I get a warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if I get a warm, fuzzy feeling, but I don't, it's hard for me to disagree with what he's That's saying. That's what I mean. I completely agree with everything he's saying. I think what's difficult, though, is shifting, it, not impossible, but difficult is shifting people is the culture. Yeah. Because we've already allowed. And so the pulling back is tough. And there will be so many reasons why we shouldn't. Like and and even I think some some classrooms and not just classrooms, but uh, you know, meetings have begun to incorporate having the phone, mm -hmm. you know, into you know, you can use this on your phone, you can use this on your phone. And so we've we've it we've started to bring it's it MS. in. Yeah, yes. it's part of <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to disagree with them. I, I think that it, even though, like, I love going to yoga and not having my phone with me, it's awesome. But I also then, when I'm done, check my phone right away. Sure. So there's... So what are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on that the first thing you do is you check your phone? Or are you going to focus on that you had an hour and 15 minutes yes. of serenity without distractions? Right, right. And, and that is, and because our yoga studio has always been that way. Mm. You don't even think about it. Right. You're not like, wow, they really need to shift the policy. Because we've been in yoga studios where that's... Yeah, that, where the, you can bring your phone in. Right. And can you imagine be And the studio we're talking about actually is one of our partners. Yeah. We should give them a shout uh, out. It's Yoga by Degrees. Yoga by Degrees uh, in the western suburbs of Chicago. They are uh, will be our sponsor for the second year going. Um, at, and, a, at the Zen Parenting Conference. At the Zen Conference. Parenting Conference. And uh, I love the fact that they don't allow the phones in the studios. Because when you do, as we know... Not only do you hear other people's buzzes and other people's dings, but sometimes people end up like taking a quick call. Like it cracks me up. Sometimes I'm in a movie. 
Um, it, when I was just talking about seeing Battle of the Sexes with Cameron, and there wasn't there were like only like four other people in the theater. It had already been out for a while, and the girl, the woman behind us, her phone rang and she answered it. Oh my god! She's like, "Hello," you know, and it's like we are all here. I know, and that's such a warped thing to do. Yeah, everybody is trying to pay attention and lose themselves in this movie. I know, and this person, man, woman, doesn't matter who it is thinks it's okay yeah. to answer the phone. And probably to take to step in their shoes, it probably is an important call. It's probably like, where am I going to meet you after this? It's it's something that feels important. And I would say screen it and call them when you leave right. the theater. Or even like get below and text, text something. Text them, yeah. but do not... <laughs> I know. And we forget. And these are the things, you know, these are, this is similar to people. And again, I'm totally trying to bring threads together because I do. But when we were talking about how someone will say, well, I don't like that you say that. So everybody else needs to stop. Like the Me Too hashtag, it makes me uncomfortable. So everybody else in, in this society needs to stop. It That's the same thing. It's like, well, I need to take this call. So all of you in this, this, you know, movie theater need to stop or deal with it. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is it can be important to you, meaning that I know you need to take that call. But the thinking is, how about step out? Yeah. So then you can take it and not affect other people. Now, Todd, this is an interesting conversation for you and I, because I am on the on the, if the pendulum is going to swing, I am much more toward thinking about and worrying about other people. Right. And you, you're not always that way. And I'm not saying with the phone, but no. don't you feel like this is a discussion we have where I say, this is not just about us. I, I'm trying to think of an example. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I do tend to not care so much about how I am perceived. It's and, more but than I don't perception. Know like when we're driving, sometimes you'll do crazy like shoulder driving things. Yeah. And I'm like, but that person was there. Right. And you're like, well. Right. Here I am. Here but it's I all right. Go. I'm safe. <laughs> right. I know what I'm doing. And and so we have these discussions a lot, and I don't think I'm always right. I think sometimes I'm way toward my concern well, about others. And you know, my concern of others is based upon what it is. To your point, like I'll, I don't deliberately cut people off, but I will sometimes drive a little bit more aggressively than a defensive driver might. But my thing is, um, you know, I, I'm not. It's not an unsafe thing. And you might be like, yes, it is. But my brain, driving with your it's knee? safe. Right. Driving with my... With his knee. My knee, which is a complete distraction to the conversation because people don't know what we're talking about. But Todd I... drives with his knee. We're more going down the road and, um, you know, I don't do it when I'm turning. I do it when we're driving straight. Mm-hmm. And the steering wheel butts up against my knee and I'm actually really good at staying in the lane with my knee. Now, not for those of you 16 year olds that are I listening. I was going to say, what if JC's like, mom, I'm fine driving with my knee. Would you be okay with that? Not when she's 16, but if she's a 45 year old woman who's been driving for 25 years, never having been in an accident, yeah. there's a little bit of build up there. But I think my point is like I get triggered with the cell phone. And like I said, I have to own it. I'm not a perfect cell phone user either, but I'm much more empathic with a cell phone thing because I know it triggers me versus the driving example. Do you know what I mean? Like this one just hits me harder, the cell phone thing, which is why I'm sitting on a soapbox dedicating half of a podcast about it. Right. And and it really is, there's no like 
everybody should, you know, I'm not looking at people and pointing my finger and saying, you guys should all do this because I don't even know how to do this yet. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to have the conversation. It's interesting to, in your own home, say, when will we incorporate this? At dinner time, you know, at lunchtime. I don't think when we're at a table with people that being on a phone makes any sense. And have we gotten used to it? Yes. But does it make sense to be with the people you love most and then be communicating and doing streaks? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make it, and that's kind of the way I communicate it to the girls is all the people you need are right here, right now. Now, if they're about to get picked up or something, we'll set the phone over there. And if it buzzes, you know they're here. Right. Like there's there are ways. Like we can honor what our children and adults around us need, but also say, let's not disconnect from each other. Well, I guess in the end, no, there's no perfection to this. Mm-mm. But one little victory that I have is I used to fall asleep with my phone next to me. And most of the time, most of the nights, I plug it in downstairs. That doesn't mean that I don't screw up with my cell phone in other places. So my invitation to anybody listening is figure out in, in which aspect, if you do feel like that you have a little bit of a dopamine addiction to your cell phone, which most of us do, including me, Figure out like, you know, maybe it's dinner time, maybe it's in the car with your family, maybe it's falling asleep. Figure out the one place that maybe that you'll remove it just to see if it's different. Because for me, I like, I have the Kindle now next to my bed and I fall asleep reading the, that versus checking And that's my still stuff. technology. Right. But once again, that's completely different feel to me because I'm you. reading a book. And this is what's super important, especially in your partnership. Okay, is that you have to figure out what works for you. Because if you told me, here's what we're going to do, I would be frustrated. This is like, we're grown people. Here's what. Kathy has a different nighttime ritual. Well, yeah, I do. But I also. And I'm not telling her not to. And I don't, I, I do not judge you for that. You're doing what works for you, and I'm doing what works for me. Yes. And I also, yeah, again, that's a whole nother conversation. But I guess the point is, is that what is the structure that we're trying to create for ourselves as adults? And are we aware of what we're doing? So we're not shaming our kids Mm -hmm. for doing things that we are doing. And then also as a family unit, making some decisions around how we're going to connect with each other. See, there's many different layers here. You first have to understand your own phone usage. Then you need to understand that you don't get to tell everybody else how to do it. And then other than other adults. Other than the movie theater person. Right. Well, and I can't even tell that person. Right. Like I I didn't turn around and say get off. There's some people that would do that. I know. And I don't think I would either. I would just grind my teeth whispered something to myself and hope that they get off really and get fast. Frustrated, right? Yeah, I know. And these are these are tough this I don't have any answers and it changes. You know, like I think that these things with technology it's not so much about here's what I'm going to do with my phone every time. It's about the deeper level of when do I need it? Why do I need it? And why am I connected to it? I feel like those questions help you answer how to then proceed mm-hmm. rather than and again, there is some what Simon's saying about the willpower piece. Like just as an example, on my phone, one of the things that I was struggling with was the news because oftentimes what I what I found myself doing, I got into a bad rut of I'm looking for good news in the news. I'm looking for an article that tells me things are going to be okay. I'm looking for an article that says we're moving in the right direction. And as you guys know, I'm not finding a lot of those, but every day, except for my my positive you know stuff that I'm reading, but... I had to finally 
get rid of my news app mm. because I didn't have enough willpower to not look and read what was going on in the in the Wall Street Journal and in the New York Times and in the you know Washington Post. I kept looking for something that would make me feel better, and what it was really doing was decreasing my ability to feel good. So I just got rid of the news app. Now, as you guys know, I'm still seeing the news everywhere. Yeah. It's all over Facebook. You know, I'm seeing or you know hearing it on podcasts. So it's not like it's just that was hurting me, and so it's like, how do you? With your self-awareness, for you, you've got to take a look at it. Yeah. Where where are you using it and not using it? That's all. Hallelujah. What time is it right now? 9.03. Okay, perfect. So we're okay. Um, iTunes reviews. We got some uh, something from uh, Osteen. Osteen. That's their name. Rachel, probably. Oh, I don't know Rachel. She Well, she just joined Team Zen. That's I was why thinking I maybe it's uh, Joel. It's not Joel Osteen. It is not. That would be, be awesome. Well, that would be interesting, but it is not. I think her name is Rachel, and she, she joined Team Zen. Thank you, Rachel, for giving us an iTunes review. It says, thank you for being you, and she has a nice paragraph to it, so oh, thank you for thank that. Thank you. Um, and I also coach guys, so if you're a guy and you're listening and you want to work on relationship with your significant other, your kids, your boss, whatever, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Um, should I share my, no, I'm not going to share my words of wisdom, sweetie. I'll do, I'll save that for next time. Are you sure? I was going to read something. Go ahead. So talking about being comfortable and talking about what's, um, you know, going on in our world, this quote that actually Brandon from this newspaper, this, um, good, good, good newspaper, uh, shared, which maybe some of you have heard before, but it's worth hearing again. Um, it's a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., and it's in his letter from the Birmingham jail. So here it goes. He says, I must confess that over the last few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizens council or the Ku Klux Klan, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Woo, Yeah. right? Yeah. So what he's saying is the biggest obstacle wasn't just the overt racism, but people who just stand by and do nothing, which is exactly This is what, what I talked to my men's group about last week. And that's what Ellie Wiesel said, you know, the, the only man thing, who wrote Night. Yeah. It's the indifference. Yep. That causes the problem. So this is what we're talking about when we talk about discomfort is you, I am keeping my positive outlook. I'm still focusing on positive psychology. I'm still reading the good news. I'm still focusing on hope, gratitude, forgiveness. I'm still doing everything I did before and have done my whole life. And simultaneously, I recognize that those things are what are grounding me and rooting me in being able to make a change in the things that I think are unjust. That's that's what we do. We don't get to just sit and say, well, I'm okay, and I'm okay in my house, therefore I need to do nothing. That is the, sit that is the sitting idly by that uh, MLK was talking about. So Thank you for that, That's sweetie. a big one, right? Yes. I mean, that you can... 
use that lesson to extend into many different things that are going on these days. Um, and then real quick, Friday, we are doing a show. It's called Conversations with People We Love. We interview my good friend, Roxana, who I work with. Um, this is a quick 20 or 30 second clip from her interview. So Roxana was born in Iran. I said that the right way. No, during the thing we kept... Or, I mispronounced. Yeah. I kept on saying Iran. So she went from Iran to Germany to the United States, and she has just an incredible story of how she got here. So this is a quick clip from her. I don't know. Nobody nobody knew what was going to happen. And the only choice, like I was, I was too young to understand what was even happening. I was completely clueless of what all the issues were at the time. All I was told, pack your bags, we're leaving in a week. So did you have a normal childhood up until when you were 13? I had more than a normal childhood. So it's a fascinating 45 minutes. It's an immigration story. It is. A lot of times when we talk about immigration, we get this visual in our head and we don't realize these are people Mm. who have lives and who had lives and who are being driven out of their country for reasons that have nothing to do with them. Um, And so she gives a, she puts a face to a situation. Anything else that you want to promote there, my darling? No, I think I I feel good. Um, You got to go to yoga. Yeah, I do. I got to bail. But only that, um, you know, we'll be talking more about the conference. We're gearing up and... um, and that it's a little rainy in Chicago today. Yeah, it's a little, it's a rainy Monday morning. I kind of don't this. mind. Really? I think I've got my boots and my sweatshirt. It's all good. It's all good. I need a new umbrella, though. Our umbrella stinks. They break so easily. Amazon.com. Get me one for uh, Christmas. All right. Thanksgiving. You got it. We love umbrellas during Christmas time <laughs> in Chicago because it rains so much. <laughs> Give me one. Just soon, like it's just a surprise gift. All right, we'll see. I'll check the budget. (laughs) All right, guys, have a good one. Have a good week. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also tell a friend about our show. Are you a force for good? Yes. If so, then get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference, March 2nd and 3rd, 2018, with Cheryl Strayed, Orly Waba, and Mike Damish. When purchasing your tickets, consider becoming a Zen friend for our conference scholarship program. Let's make sure anyone who wants to attend can be there. Come see us. We look forward to having everyone in Chicago. Check out all of our live events at zenparentingradio.com. You can also find our virtual community of listeners that we call Team Zen. You can find books and podcasts that we recommend and so many other opportunities and resources. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's awesome award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. Thank you. You're welcome. And just so you know, I coach guys. It's called coaching for guys on the phone skype or in person contact me to uncover the subtle shifts that will change your life if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribemensgroup.com we would love to have you be a part of the tribe if you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link found on our homepage, zenparentingradio.com under support us it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon I want to give a special thanks to our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. They've been with us since the start, and we love them. And to all of you, thanks, thanks for your for love, your love and, and support. support. Keep trucking. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>